Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From NewSounds.org and the studios of WNYC in New York, this is Soundcheck, our series of live performances and interviews. I'm John Schaefer. The singer and guitarist Anjimali made a striking impression with his 2020 album, Giver Taker, a buoyant collection of indie folk pop. Now he's returned with a new record called The King, and it is a much darker record that wrestles with Anjimali's journey as a black trans person in a divided America. The album draws on a wide range of sounds, including some that are unsettling or hard to identify. Not a bad metaphor for an artist who's explored identity in his songs. And Jim Lee joins us to play some solo, unplugged versions of some of those songs, beginning with this one called Animal. I lost my mind, I couldn't handle it. Burn my fingers on the candle. Madness manifest Kneeling on my chest I've seen the footage in the camera roll Yeah, you treat me like an animal I'll be an animal Have a little faith in Animal, a song from the latest record by Anjimali. The album is called The King, and uh, Jimmy joins us here in our studio. This is not, Jimmy, your first time on Soundcheck, but the last time we were yeah. remote. Neither of us were here. Yeah. Um, I loved Giver Taker, to my own surprise, because I'm naturally drawn to darker things. So The King is like right up my alley, but, um, you know... 
there is a a real difference, Mm -hmm. not just in sound, but in mood between Give or Taker and The King. You've said that Give or Taker was an album of prayers. This is an album of curses. What, What has occasioned that? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of it had to do with just the experience of COVID-19 coupled with the like what felt like an extreme amount of police brutality cases against black Americans in the summer of 2020. And I'm not even sure that it actually was, but it just felt it felt like it. It felt like it was just so much worse. And that combined with I just remember being at like protests masked and furious and it was so hot yeah and yeah. just like a really a powder keg I guess of 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 rage hmm. I mean I think I, I channeled a lot of that into this uh into this music and and into the sound of the music so on animal those those initial chords they hit on the record with an almost kind of Phil Spector wall of sound quality. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny you say that because uh, that's exactly what the producer Sean Everett did. I lost my mind, I couldn't handle it. Burn my fingers on the candlelit. So, so the whole record, everything was played on an acoustic guitar, every sound. No. Yes. Yes. Really? Very. You know, it, it, I mean, I said in introducing you that there are sounds on the record that are hard to identify, and there were some that I could say, all right, I see what's happening here. Um, there's, uh, I think, Harley. Mm-hmm. It was like, if I pull back, I can see that this is just Jimmy and the guitar. Yep. When the leaves go gray, way, But uh, it doesn't sound like that. It's it's just like produced to be this kind of, you know, universe off in the in the distance somewhere. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad that comes across because um, yeah, the producer Sean and I talked a lot about. I'm just I'm really into like, I'm very into astronomy, but I'm not good at math, so I, <laughs> and I don't understand science at all. I just like learning about the universe. And how big it is, and not really understanding it, or understanding how black holes work. And we we talked a lot about one of the reasons that everything on the record is recorded with an acoustic guitar was because we wanted to create and um, emphasize a separate sonic universe for this for this record to to live in. Right. And was the writing process different? I mean, it's coming from a give or taker. You had gotten sober. You had established your identity, and the songs were. You know, they acknowledged challenge and, and struggle, but they were, by and large, a kind of document of where you were at the time. Absolutely. Were these songs written differently because of where you were in, in a different headspace? I would say not exactly. They were written with the same general process I have, which is that I just all of a sudden feel like I need to write a song. But... um I think the the experience of writing these songs was different because of how much um, there was just a lot more anger than I'm used to expressing 
in general and especially via song. So that was something that I was doing in my personal life while writing this was learning how to express anger in a, in a compassionate and like uh, succinct way to, mm. to my loved ones. And I think I was learning how to do the same thing musically. So um, there's an interesting kind of interplay between lyrics and sound here because there are moments in the lyrics for example you were talking about black holes the track black hole there's the line i was blessed which you sing several times it's a you know it sounds like a very positive optimistic line but it is seriously undercut by this kind of sonic darkness behind it in the I was blessed All in all On my chest In the world I was blessed If there's anything I've learned, you know, since getting sober, it's that that has been a, a large part of my life experience is the the bittersweetness of clarity, yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned expressing anger towards loved ones. There's a track called Mother. Mm-hmm. There's a track called Father. Both mother and father reappear in the next song you're going to do, Anybody. Yeah. How, how to phrase this? <laughs> I mean, are we talking about your family or is this mother and father as sort of archetypal characters? Uh, both. It's definitely personal, and I also did want to dig into, you know, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, you know, the Mother Mary, the kind of cosmic religiosity that um, parentage is is expressed through Christianity, I guess. Right, right. So my parents are very religious. Your parents came from Malawi. Yes, indeed. Uh, and so you were raised in a, in a religious family? Yes. What, what has their reaction to your personal journey been? It's been a it's been a mixed bag, you know, I would say it has at least taught me that I don't need to be validated by anyone to live a full life as a queer and trans human. And for a long time I really sought my parents' approval. And eventually I was um I realized that I wasn't I had kind of lost sense of my own uh, approval and like my own experience of my queer identity. And um, I like being queer and trans and I'm, I'm very happy with that. I feel very lucky about that. And so, yeah, I've, they've at least taught me that I don't ultimately care what most people think about anything related to who I am as a person. Or yeah. Not that I don't care, but it has no bearing on my reality or decisions. Yeah. Uh, it, it's interesting, you know, I think every parent has taught sort of inadvertent lessons to their kids without even knowing it. And Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, so um, now on the record, this song, Anybody, yes. has a choral arrangement that you know, it almost to me sounds like a classic, like mid 20th century Disney song or something. (laughs) And because of that, because of the unexpectedness of it, there's something 
off. There's something a little uncanny about it. Is that is that the effect you were going for? Well, not, not not maybe the Disney thing. Maybe that's just me. Oh no, that's awesome. That's awesome. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad. You know, it's funny you say that because originally the original arrangement was like the original vocal arrangement was inspired by like barbershop quartet. Oh, okay. And so I feel like kind of with those like old Disney harmonies. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. But um, I wish Sean was here to talk about this because he 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 rewrote this folk choral arrangement after hearing like an old opera song from the 80s <laughs> and, he, and then he he because we had decided that the barbershop quartet arrangement wasn't it wasn't emotional enough it wasn't like impactful enough and so he rewrote the arrangement with this opera from the 80s in mind and it really hmm. and it do, do you remember the opera i sure don't okay i sure don't Dang, <laughs> but it it certainly it certainly is uncanny. I think to have that influence, yeah, in a in what is essentially a folk song, and so I think that's part of part of why it's honest, maybe not unsettling, but kind of maybe unsettling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're speaking with Anjimali, and he's playing songs from the uh, the latest record called "The King" in a, a solo unplugged version. So let's let's hear anybody.
The song is called Anybody. You'll find a rather different-sounding arrangement of it on Anjimali's latest record called The King, but that's a live solo performance here. And uh, Jimmy, you referred to it um, as basically a little folk song. Uh, and, you know, after Give or Taker, the last record, that's kind of where people placed you yeah. sonically is in the folk world. But uh, there are hints or maybe more than hints of metal in in the king hell yeah <laughs> i can say hell right sure you can hell yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's fine um so you know uh the sounds of metal contemporary classical and chamber music oh yeah a lot of the arrangements were inspired by third stream jazz Oh, okay. Um, and which which was big in the fifties and sixties. That kind of confluence of yes of classical and jazz. Yeah, Miles Davis, mm-hmm. Moondog, uh, Mingus. I love that Moondog's music is having a comeback. Yeah, you know? I didn't. Sean introduced me to a lot of music on this record, and we just we wanted to to prioritize like the arrangement and having as full of an arrangement as possible without a drum set basically without a pulse and then like adding the pulse afterwards if necessary but right. we wanted to occupy the same sonic space that a drum kit drum kit might occupy without an actual drum kit using the guitar yep yeah um and you know metal is very good at that that the thrumming you know the tremolo sound of, exactly yeah so yeah in anybody I, I heard you singing it before we started recording and mm. you sang it the same way uh, there's one word, uh, care, where the note is just a little off, and you, you you always seem to do it that way. So, you know, that kind of pinpoint, I'm going to go right here. How did you learn to do that? Well, I, uh, I have like, I'm from a musical family. Mm-hmm. So my dad has a beautiful voice, and my two older siblings, they both were in like the school choir, and... One of them, Patricia, is like seven years older than me. My other sibling, Maeso, uh, they're three years older than me. And I would go to their choir concerts and get really excited. And so like as soon as I was old enough, pretty much to go to school, I was like, I want to be in choir. And I was just <laughs> in choir in school. And I think probably the biggest influence was my, um, my high school music teacher, Mr. Knight. He was an absolute freak of nature. <laughs> and he was, a, he was the kind of teacher how if we were... You know, let's say there's 60 of us uh, in the chorus. And if you were singing, if you were flat or sharp, he would just look at you (laughs) and make a face. And man, it was terrifying. (laughs) So he really put the fear of God in me, I think, to kind of just to to lock onto that note. Yeah. And, you know, as a a trans person, how do you... I mean, you, you've sort of cultivated over the course of these last two records, mm-hmm. you know, a, a deeper voice. But as we heard, you can still go up there and, and grab those high notes, too. It's, I guess, it's like a fun challenge. Um, the taking testosterone, I think I've been on T for maybe five years. Mm. And the, I mean, the first year I was on, I was like, my voice was cracking. I, it was really frustrating. Just the. I, I remember you saying that last time that, you know, it was. It, you said, all right, all right, the less said, the better. <laughs> yeah, it was just really, honestly, irritating. Yeah. Especially to come from like a, a choral background of being able to land on that note to suddenly it being like somewhere else. So I had to yeah. kind of be, become a lot more compassionate about my voice 
and just practice a lot. And so I do warm up a lot more than I've ever had to, as much as I can to take care of this voice. And it's really, it's really fun to experience. My range is definitely different. My high notes are a lot more fragile than they've ever been. But I think it's to the benefit of my overall sound. And so, yeah. And, yeah. W- and when you do go up to get those those high notes, that fragility is kind of emotionally in tune with what you're singing, it seems. Yeah, I think so. So yeah. it you know, worked out. <laughs> it worked <laughs> out, I guess. Um, there's a, a, a line on the song Genesis where you sing, get me out of my head. And, and I yes. wonder if part of the challenge of this record coming from this kind of angry place was finding a way to get out of your own head. Wow, you have no idea. (laughs) From the writing to the recording process, getting out of my own way was the biggest challenge because the music was uh, revealing itself, you know? And I just, it was hard for me to just step aside and allow, allow it to happen, to allow, like, Sean to begin crafting these arrangements and just, it was like, he was just excavating these arrangements like they were fossils that he was just like digging up and I was just like, no, leave them in the ground. It's like, no, no, let let those little skeletons rise, you know? I don't know if that makes sense, but <laughs> that's what it felt like. Yeah. Um, the title track, The King, which you're going to do next, on the record has a, a vocal arrangement that is clearly inspired by Philip Glass's music. Walking Belshazzar demanded. Uh, is, is he someone that you've been listening to? Yes, and again, directly because of Sean, the producer. Mm-hmm. He, uh, so every, every tune on the record is also inspired production-wise by a, a work of art. And so this song is inspired by a work of art boy, by, I think, Yayoi Kusama. Oh, Yayoi Kusama, yeah. The, okay. the Japanese artist, and well into her 90s now, does all these very colorful... Yeah, yeah. like light mirror light boxes, and she has a work called uh, Longing for Eternity that we saw in um, Los Angeles years ago, and it's just like flashing lights and mirrors, and we wanted to incorporate that like mania into the production, and Sean was like, have you heard the song Vessels by Philip Glass? Right, from the Koyana Scotsi soundtrack. Yes, exactly, yes. and I was like, no. And then we, <laughs> wa- we, had, the, we had that documentary on in the background along with many others during mm-hmm. the process of the record but I was blown away and it it really I think that was like the first song that we completed on the record and it really changed or I guess I don't know changed or just solidified the experimental direction of the mm. entire work uh, the entire album and it's it's a neat combination of that Philip Glass vocal arrangement and the thrumming sound of, of metal that, that we were talking about before uh, nice. yeah don't don't flash those horns at me uh, <laughs> uh, i I can't wait to see how you do this, just you and the guitar, because I'm assuming this is how it first came out of you. yep. Uh, let's hear the title track from the King. My guest is Anjimali live in the studio. <laughs> Thank you. 
old King Belshazzar demanded. What's this on the wall? On the wall, red-handed. So Daniel he said the words as he read. As he could, and he understood. There's a king on high, and the king don't lie. There's a king on high, on high, and the king don't lie. What do? Anjimali live with a solo version of The King, title track of his most recent album. The album, now that I think of it, is full of religious imagery, not just Daniel and the handwriting on the wall in that song, but, you know, you're talking before, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, Mother Mary. Uh, there's a song called I Pray, which, despite the title, is one of the eeriest productions on the record. Yeah. It, it seems like, you know, that kind of imagery. I mean, you're certainly not the first artist to have found creative ways of dealing with something that's part of our common cultural currency. But what what is your own kind of relationship with religion these days? Um, I'm not a religious person, but, you know, I grew up in a religious Presbyterian family. And... Um, I mean, I just had to go to church a lot as a kid, and it was really boring. Um, but the older I got, I, I really enjoy kind of classic literature. I really enjoy Shakespeare and, like, epic poetry, like Keats and Yeats and blah, blah, blah. And there's something about—so we've always had in my house growing up, like, a, you know, Bibles, and we've always had the New King James Version. Mm. 
Or maybe the old King James Version. I guess just the King James Version. The one with the these and thou. Yeah, and that's thou. King James, yeah. And um, I really enjoy reading that. I really enjoy it. reminds me of Shakespeare. And it... it um, when I was uh, 17, I guess, the, the summer before college, I got, I got grounded. And um, I didn't really have a lot to do, and so I read the, the Old Testament. And I thought it was really strange and beautiful. Mm. And I read it like a work of literature. And, I, and it's just such an interesting work to me. And I, some of those stories have just have stuck with me. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and still do. Yeah. Dare I ask why you were grounded? Yeah, I drank all my parents' gin and <laughs> okay. was smoking weed and stuff. For context, I'm, I'm sober. And, um, yes, and yeah. have been for some years now. So Yeah, yeah. Well seven, done. Seven going on eight. Thank you very much. Great. Um, so with Giver Taker and now The King, you have staked out two very different sonic territories. What happens next? Hmm. That's a good question. I guess we'll all find out together. Okay. <laughs> so you haven't you haven't made initial steps towards a, a next record yet. Oh, I've made a couple steps, but even so, the the songs you know on the King started out acoustic and they became yep. something entirely different. So I have no idea what's going to happen to these new songs in the next like three, six, eight months. I love that. I I, I think that's such a great answer. I I love that you you the creator of these songs still don't know what they're going to be when they grow up. That's, that's parenting. It's the funnest part, yeah. <laughs> uh, my guest has been Anjumali. The latest record is called The King. Jimmy, it's been great to have you here in person this time. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. It's great to finally meet you in person. Irene Trudell is our technical director. Karen Havlick, our producer. She was uh, also shooting video today. Eric Weber is our video editor. I'm John Schaefer. You can keep up with everything we're doing on New Sounds by subscribing to our free weekly newsletter. Text New Sounds to 70101 or sign up on the website at newsounds.org.